into the upper room right now. And as they have a good time, we'll have a good time. All right, even though I'm not giving away any candy or anything else, so sorry about that. I know you're, you're bothered by that, but I don't know. Mrs. Davis gave out cookies just recently, so if you missed them, you lose, right? I got something. They were good. All right. I don't know how I got off on that subject. I'm going to preach on something this morning that is totally, completely, absolutely invisible. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. But it is, is as real as this building, as the chair you're seated on. I hope you are seated on one. It's as real as the person sitting next to you. And they do exist. All right. The majority of, uh, of our world and people in this world don't believe it exists. Many think it's just a fanciful dream. Others who hold the contempt for anything that's religious, scoffers, would call those who believe in this invisible thing delusional people. People who are looking maybe for a, a crutch to make it through life. But it's a real thing, irregardless of what they think. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, for a number of reasons, beginning with the fact that the Bible tells me it is. Another reason I believe it to be so is because Jesus Christ spoke of it. If Jesus had shared it once, I'd believe it. But quite honestly, it was something that was on his lips all the time during his earthly ministry. In fact, uh, some argue that over a hundred times Jesus spoke of this invisible thing, and we hear about that and we read about it in the Gospels. We're told at the beginning of the book of Mark, it was the focus of his preaching ministry in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And you say, well, what is it? I'll tell you in a minute. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. And I thank you that today we have opportunity to learn about something that you focused on when you were here on this earth. It was a ministry that was dear to your heart that you preached on and, I, and a thing, and I pray that uh, we would understand it better today, that we'd have a clear uh, grasp of and, and concept of this truth and this thing that truly exists. And we pray, Lord, that you would use the word in our lives today for the glory of God. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone said this, I had seen the photograph four or five times before I noticed there was anything that was wrong with the picture. The pleasing pastoral scene before me was tacked up on a school classroom. And this picture, if you would, try to get it, a grasp in your mind, showed a castle situated on a rolling green hill overlooking a very beautiful placid pond. Only when I looked at it more closely did I realize the photo had been doctored. You see, it wasn't a picture of a castle as I had supposed. The green hills had no castle on them. They were bare, except for some trees. But in the pond was the reflection of a beautiful castle. So it gave me in my mind this picture, this person said, of the fact that there was a castle up on the hill, but it wasn't there. It didn't exist. It just existed in the, in the reflection on the pond. And so it played a trick with my eyes. In the pond was a reflection of a beautiful castle, a reflection of something that wasn't on the hill. I had fallen for this optical illusion without noticing that the water reflected what wasn't actually there. 
The photo had a caption, the person said, which I no longer remember, but it was designed to make the viewer conscious of the fact that the kingdom of God is just as invisible, but very present. I draw your attention to Mark chapter 4 today because in Mark chapter 4, I skipped a number of verses in the middle. In fact, uh, I have thought perhaps, possibly, about just moving on into chapter 5 as we've studied this book, this wonderful gospel that gives us a great picture of Jesus Christ the servant. But in these verses, Jesus talks about this invisible kingdom. He talks about a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It's described in a couple different ways in the Gospels. And it was a subject that was so often mentioned by him that the more I looked at the passage, the more I thought about it, the more I felt like it really would be inappropriate for us to skip over this. You see, if this was truly the focal point of his preaching, and it was, take a moment and look, if you would, in Mark chapter 1. Because in Mark chapter 1, we read after John was put in prison in verse 14, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel. Well, what was the gospel? The gospel was of the kingdom of God. And here's what he said in his gospel message. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So listen, if we're going to understand Jesus Christ, I really believe that this section, this little portion in Mark chapter 4 is vitally essential to understanding Jesus Christ. If that's what he preached, then you got to understand what the kingdom is all about. And you got to understand what Jesus was talking about in this passage, because he reveals a couple things that not only are really uh, enlightening, if you would, in regard to this kingdom, but also, I believe, very challenging. In fact, what is interesting is that Jesus Christ was all about preaching the kingdom. That was his purpose. That's the reason he came. You know, we have a lot of things where Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save that which is lost. And we could go through about four or five different things that he said, I am come for. But one of the reasons he came was to establish and to start an invisible kingdom. That's right. And he did. And that was his work. That was his focus. And that was part of the reason he came. So this is, believe it or not, a Christmas message. Although I've never heard anyone preach a Christmas message from Mark chapter 4. Although it's very true, it is, because that is exactly why Jesus Christ came. And he's going to describe this kingdom and share a couple truths about it with his followers and actually with everyone. But as he shared it with everyone, he shared it in the form of a parable. Yes, because we're into some of the parables now. And in these parables, he taught a truth that most people wouldn't understand and wouldn't grasp, but his followers would. And so let me share with you and let's read about the kingdom today. In verse 26, we read, and he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. And he said, whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. 
And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And so in these verses, Jesus Christ took some time to talk about his kingdom. And I know, I skipped it. So shame on me. But this is our opportunity to go back and to look at this important subject that Jesus Christ talked about. It really is critical to understanding Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to say it again, that's the reason he came. He came to actually establish to set up a kingdom, a kingdom that is not of this world. In fact, let me share with you, in fact, I've got to kind of give you preliminaries here, okay, or the plan. That's how I put it in my outline, because you got to understand what's going on before you can understand these two things that he talks about and two pictures that he gives. So let's begin by sharing with you the plan of God or some preliminaries we need to know. Jesus talked about the fact he came to set up a kingdom, but a kingdom that he described as not of this world. You say, well, well, where did he say that? Not in our text. But when Jesus Christ stood before Pilate, Jesus Christ, Pilate said, are you a king? Are you really the king of, of Israel? Are you the king of the Jews? And by the way, later on, he put a sign on the cross to mock the Jews, to say, this is the king of the Jews. And so when he asked that question, Jesus answered with these words in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. In our passage today, he's going to share some things about this kingdom, how the seed, the word, brings the kingdom about and how this kingdom uh, will start small and grow and provide shelter for all uh, who would wish to be part of it. But we've got to understand what the kingdom is. It's the kingdom. Uh, someone described it this way. It's the gospel dispensation where God overthrew the kingdom of Satan and established his own. And that was done by the coming of Jesus Christ. This is indeed a Christmas message. The kingdom doesn't happen. It doesn't come to pass. The kingdom can't take place in the hearts of men. And we'll describe that or explain that in a few moments. Without Jesus Christ coming, without Jesus Christ dying, without Jesus Christ being buried, without Christ being raised from the dead, there is no kingdom. There is no, there is no uh, thing. There is no purpose for which Jesus Christ lived and preached. And so the plan of God was to establish a kingdom, a kingdom that's not of this world, but a kingdom right now in the hearts of men. This kingdom will eventually be seen in heaven according to 1 Corinthians 15. Do you know why? Because Jesus Christ is going to present it to the Father in verses 24 and 25. Very interesting uh, studying the kingdom throughout the Bible and finding out what God has to say about it. Uh, and so this kingdom, though, is not something that is seen right now. Right now it exists in the hearts of those who are part of the family of God and only part of those who are part of the family of God. You say, really, can I prove that? Yes, I'm glad you asked. So take a moment, keep your place here. We're coming back. But John chapter 3 tells us that very fact. John chapter 3. There was a man who came to Jesus by night. His name was Nicodemus. And yet, of Nicodemus and Jesus talked about him being born again well you know what he said when he shared about being born again notice what he said in verse 3 Jesus answered and said unto him verily verily I say unto you except a man be born again 
He cannot see the kingdom of God. Look, you can't become part of the kingdom. You can't have this kingdom within your heart that Jesus Christ was coming to establish and he did and he preached about over and over and over unless you're part of the family of God, unless you've been born again, unless you've come to the place where you realize Jesus Christ is, Jesus is the Christ, that he is the one that came to pay for the sins of the world and that if you will believe on him, he will give you eternal life. And if you do, then the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that Jesus talked about in the gospel so many times is within you. Yes, it is. So it's not something that is seen. It's a kingdom that's not of this world. It's a kingdom that's done in the hearts of men. And you say, well, come on, that was just one place. Well, as he continued to talk with Nicodemus, notice what he said in verse 5. Jesus answered, verily, verily, saying to thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There's never a hope that he will ever enter into the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Now, that's an interesting statement. But first of all, everyone is born in water. Okay? Uh, the water's re reference there is not baptism. Otherwise, it's backwards. Because you wouldn't say the water and the spirit. You'd say the spirit and water. But what he's talking about is the fact that everyone who's born, you have to be physically born. You can't be saved unless you're physically born. Isn't that? That's miraculous, isn't it? It's an amazing thing. I know that that really causes you to marvel, but Jesus was saying that when he said you've got to be born of water because every, every baby is in the womb in, in water. Yeah, you know, the water breaking, you've heard about that uh, probably. And it's what Jesus Christ was referencing when he said you've got to be born of water. So you've got to be born physically if you're going to ever be born spiritually, but then you have to be born of the Spirit of God. And no one will ever see, no one will ever experience, no one will ever have this kingdom within them unless they come to the realization Jesus is God come in the flesh. That Jesus came for a purpose to save a sinful world and that he accomplished that when he died on the cross, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead. And anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ has the kingdom of God within them. And someday, they will see, if you would, the entire uh, kingdom together. It's a kingdom that's not of this world. It's a kingdom that's in hearts. Now, today, the visible aspect of that is the church, the gathering of God's people together, the local church. We call it, in some aspects, the church today. In fact, some people tell us, well, we need more kingdom preaching. And I, I, I agree with that, but when you're preaching salvation, you're preaching the kingdom. Because that's what he was saying. Look, we want you to become part of the family of God. We want you to, to become part of, if you would, God's kingdom. And that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. So Jesus was building a, a kingdom. He planned it before the world began. We can find that in scripture. He prepared for it by, and established it by coming to this earth. Earth. He preached it through his earthly ministry. He provided for it by giving his lifeblood to pay for it and open the door for the kingdom of God to be within believers today. And that was all introductory to Mark chapter 4. If you don't understand that, then you're not going to understand what Jesus was talking about in this passage as he shared two things about the kingdom of God. So we have the plan or some preliminaries. So let's look at the passage. All of that was said to get us to these verses here. 
introductory material. I know you're really excited about that, but you've got to grasp that teaching of Jesus Christ. And he's going to explain two aspects of the kingdom. The spread of the kingdom, how it's spread, how it comes about, how it happens in the hearts of men, okay? And then he's going to share with you the scope of the kingdom. You say, well, are those things important? Yes. Do you know why? Because they involve you. Actually, all aspects of it do. Becoming part of the kingdom is what everyone needs to be. If you've never been saved, you need to be saved. You've got to be born again. God wants all men to be part of this kingdom. That's why he came. He wanted to provide for eternal life. He wanted to provide for a kingdom that someday would be in heaven with him. And he did that very thing. And he wants all people to be part of that kingdom. But in these verses, and as he shares these aspects, he says, in essence, you're involved in this act. Notice what he said. And he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now, he's going to share with us in verse 26, 27, and 28, and 29, the spread of the kingdom of God, heaven. How is it spread? How does it happen? How does it come about that someone gets this kingdom that no one can see within themselves? How did you get it? Do you know how you got it? Because someone sowed seed. Now, you'll notice, if you would, in the verse, it says, and he said, so is the kingdom of God. You say, is that important to know? Yes, because Jesus has been sharing some important things. You say, what has he been sharing? Thanks for asking. I preached on it actually two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we looked at the seed. You remember the seed that was sown in, in, on different kinds of soil? Now, it seems like what Jesus is doing as he begins in this section now to talk about the kingdom is relate that those who have the seed that's sown in the good ground and bring forth, okay, that is, seems to be what he's picking up on because he's going to continue talking about seed that's sown, the seed of the word of God that's sown in the hearts of men that brings forth change and brings people into the kingdom of heaven that's being talked about in this passage. And so, uh, as he continues the thought and he's sharing with, uh, with, the fa with people the fact that the seed needs to be sown and then as the seed is sown, God works in the heart of mankind. It seems like he's dealing with those upon which the word of God has had an impact uh, in verse 20. And he's talking to these people uh, to, about these people and he said, so is the kingdom of God. And it's like a man who casts seed into the ground. Now, notice something. This is interesting to me. It requires men. Do you see that? For this kingdom of heaven to exist, for this kingdom of God to exist in the hearts of mankind, it takes people. And it's interesting to me because it says, so is the kingdom of God as if a man. Now, in, in the verses that are earlier, when he first talked about it, he said, the sower soweth the word. And many people believe that was Jesus Christ. But verse 26 seems to be a little bit different as he continues this illustration and using this picture of the seed that is being sown. And in this picture, he says, look, it's like a man who comes and he sows. Well, what is he sowing? Hello, we still have the same idea. He's sowing the word of God, the gospel, all right? The gospel of the kingdom, the message that men can have the kingdom of God dwelling within them, that they can be part of this invisible kingdom that someday will be visible in heaven when Jesus Christ presents it to the Father, when he presents all believers to the Father uh, as, a, as a, a glorious, wonderful kingdom. 
So it's invisible at this time, but it requires men, and men have to sow. So as God uses this parable of the sower and the seed, he says that a man casts the seed into the ground, and it's important because Jesus reveals how the kingdom of God is spread in the heart of men and grows. It takes, it takes people. It never happens without people. Do you know when God designed the plan for this kingdom to take place in the hearts of men, we, we, we call it the, the church, uh, and that's another term that we could use for it. We call it uh, this this wonderful work of God that no one can see, all right, it requires that the seed be sown, that someone put it out there. And as you look at his illustration, he talks about this seed as it's sown, uh, falling in the hearts of men. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground, into the ground, the hearts of men, and should sleep and rise night and day, the seed should bring spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. No, it's profound, isn't it? But let me ask you something. I don't care how much you're into science, okay? Can anyone understand how, if a seed is planted in the ground, you know, it's going to bring forth and you'll have a garden later on if all things, all things being equal? It's an amazing thing, isn't it? And yet, people sow all the time with the expectation. I know my, when my wife plants the garden in the spring, you know, it's with the expectation there's going to be tomatoes. You know, there's going to be cucumbers. There's going to be peppers. There's going to be whatever she plants. As long as it's not okra, we're good. And I just told you I don't like okra. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> know that in case you have me over, all right? Just, there you go. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> if, it's, if it's too late, you already had me over served okra. I ate it anyway, okay? So there you go. But the idea is, look, you don't plant without the idea that it's going to bring forth. And you have that expectation. But here's the truth. No one knows how that happens. It's, 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 a, it's a process that is done in, in the earth it's by the sun. And, and the, I mean, okay, I know they could talk about the technical aspects, but the whole idea of this passage is, look, no one knows how this all happens. A guy sows. He sows the seed, and, uh, and here's the expectation. He's going to have a harvest sometime. So it requires men to sow the seed. And it's sown in the hearts of men. We know that from the passage that's already been expressed, and he's continuing that idea. And notice what he said in verse 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Now, it requires a man to sow. By the way, let me also say this. It requires someone, according to this story, to hear. To have a heart, to have soil. Remember? As we talked about, to have ears that hear, that was really the focus of the verses that were before this. And if someone has ears to hear, here's what happens. Someone, some man, sows the word. And the word then takes place in the heart. It germinates and it brings forth. How does that happen? Don't know. Can't explain it. Can't understand it. But if someone has a heart that's willing, it will grow. It will work in his heart. It will bring forth so that... It's going to bring it to fruition until there is a harvest to come. So it requires men to sow. It requires men to hear. 
How many people get saved? This is interesting to me because I think this is borne out in this passage. There's time between when you plant and when you bring it in, when you reap it. And so is the case. How many people get saved the first time they hear? Very rare. They tell us that, that on average, people hear the gospel eight times before they ever come to faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know who's doing the counting, and the truth is, if someone has heard it the second time and uh, have opportunity, I'm not going to miss that opportunity to share with them how they can be saved today. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, it does need to work in the hearts of men. It's very rare when someone just hears the gospel the first time and gets saved. It really is. And that is because the word of God has to do something in the heart of men because our heart is, it, the man's heart is darkened to God and to truth. And the word of God, when it's sown, and only when it's sown, can begin to do that work in the heart of men that no one can understand. So it takes man. It takes man to sow the seed. It takes someone to hear, to allow it, to germinate, to, take, to have it in heart. And by the way, it's interesting because a number of men wrote this. God gives men a will. He gives them a freedom to choose whether there'll be soil upon which the, the word can germinate and bring forth or not. It is up to man to decide. But someone has to sow. And when it's sown and it falls on that heart where someone is willing to receive it, then get this, God has to do a work. No one can explain it. No one can understand it. I can't understand how anyone would come to the realization and understanding that Jesus Christ is the Savior unless God works in his heart. And such is what we find in this passage. Men can do all they want. You know what? You can have the greatest, the greatest plan of sharing the gospel with anyone. And by the way, some people think they've got it down perfect. That Romans road, let me tell you, you can lead people to Jesus Christ and you can walk them through this and have them pray some prayer and everything else and you can have it down. But the truth is that men do need to sow, but we can't bring forth fruit that brings the kingdom into the heart of someone's life. It has to be a work that God does. In fact, that's what's so great about this because my job is not to worry about whether the seed grows. My, seed, my job is to sow if I'm part of the family of God. And if I'll sow, then it will fall on some ground that's willing to accept it. And if they're willing to accept it, then look, God will do a work. The earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that, the full corn in the ear, and God can do miraculous things with his word if it's sown and if someone's willing to hear, but God has to do the work. When the fruit comes to the ripe stage, it has to be har harvested. And there's kind of discussion about what that means in verse 29, but the picture seems to be this, all right? Look, here's, the, here's how the kingdom all comes about. Those who are part of the kingdom get burned about and concerned about the souls of men to the point where they spread the word. They share with those who are not part of the kingdom of God the good news that they can be part of a kingdom, an invisible kingdom that God is doing and working in the hearts of men to make them part of the family of God. And then if they will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was the one who paid for their sin, that they can't pay for their own sin, 
And if they will come to the realization that his death, his burial, his resurrection is sufficient to pay for all their sins, past, present, and future, and make them part of the family of God, then if they will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they can be saved. And here's the thing. If I will do that, and if I sow the word like that, if someone is concerned about others coming into the kingdom and sow the word, and God says there will be people whom God works within that he brings forth fruit in. And whenever that time is for them to become part of the family of God, there's a time of reaping. And by the way, Paul described it, I think, pretty well. Because he said, you remember he talked about Paul and Apollos? People who say, I'm, par- I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. The church of Corinth was really struggling with that. You know, Paul said this. He said, some men sow, some men water. But God gives the increase. And that's what this picture in these verses really seems to illustrate so well. So it takes someone to sow the seed. It takes someone to be willing to hear what God says and to let it, if you would, germinate. But God does the work in the heart to bring a person to the realization, this is the truth. Jesus is the Christ. I am a sinner. I can't do anything on my own. And there comes a time then where, the, the if you would, the harvest is ready. And that is when someone then comes along, another person who's also burdened about someone being part of the family of God, and he shares with that person how they can be saved. And they've already come to that realization, and God has already done a work through the sowing of the word that's already been done, and they are brought into the family of God. It's a beautiful picture. And that's what Jesus was preaching all the time. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Realize you need a change of mind that I am the Messiah and that you are a sinner and that there's nothing you can do and you need me. And as Jesus preached that message and as men have preached that message for 2,000 years since, it has been doing the same thing in the hearts of people that are willing. If you would, the good ground. As they're willing, God does a work in their heart to bring them to salvation. But God uses men to share it. God uses men to bring people in. And that was the parable. That was the, the picture of this wonderful, the spread of the kingdom. How does it happen? Look, the kingdom exists only because those who are part of the kingdom take the seed to sow it. It only exists because men who have ears to hear, uh, th- that it's, it, only, it, it only exists because people have ears to hear and the seed can bring forth. It only exists because God does a work of grace in the heart of someone that we cannot explain and we can't understand and we don't have to. And brings them to the place of decision and the word brings forth. Are you part of the kingdom? And if you are, do you see your part in what Jesus talked about in these verses? I want you to see also the scope of the kingdom. In verse 30, 31 and 32, he says, whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? This is great. This is a, okay, I got a question for you. After he explained how this invisible kingdom exists, how it flourished, how it, how it continues on, Jesus explains the scope of the kingdom. You say, what is that about? Well, he asked the disciples to think about how would you picture the kingdom of God? Now, how would you picture it? I don't know, because it's invisible. How do you explain the kingdom of God and how do you explain how this is all is going to happen and come about well he's explaining what's going to take place 
All right, so how do you explain it? He says, let me give you a picture. Pictures of a mustard seed. And you've seen a mustard seed? I should have had one today, but it wouldn't have done much good because you wouldn't have seen it. You know, it's one of those illustrations you wouldn't have seen. Say, yeah, that's really helpful because it's real small. You've seen mustard seeds, haven't you? Okay, they are. They're very small. And God said, and he uses the mustard seed as a picture as a, as in this parable as an illustration of the gospel and the kingdom of God and how it all brings forth. And so this mustard seed is planted and it grows and it grows and it grows and it becomes this huge tree. You say, wow, that's wonderful. That's really meaning to me. All right. That has a lot of meaning to me. Well, that's how he describes it in verse 31 and 32. Like a grain of mustard seed, which when it's sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches. So that, listen to this, the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. You see, what is the kingdom of God about? If you were to ask a Jew... In that day, when Jesus was speaking with Jews, what the kingdom of God was all about, they would have been talking. They would have been talking about when Jesus will set up His kingdom. We call it the millennium, during a thousand years with the nation of Israel. That's how they would have described the kingdom. Jesus wasn't talking about that kingdom. Say what? He wasn't. He was not talking about that kingdom in this passage. He's talking about a kingdom that isn't seen, is in the hearts of men, and it's what we call, again, the church. That Jesus Christ was beginning at that time and going to build a kingdom that would be so large and so enormous that all the fowls of the air would be able to live under the shadow of it. And this was the wonderful truth that the Jews didn't understand and that they would someday understand. Do you know when they began to understand it? Say, boy, pastor, you're getting into deep stuff today. They began to understand it in Acts chapter 10 when a man by the name of Cornelius got saved and became part of the family of God. And the Jews started to understand that the gospel can reach the Gentile world. And you better be thankful for that. Because you and I are part, of the, are part of the kingdom if we've been saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And, and we all, at least I think everyone in this room, would be in the Gentile crowd. So what he was describing is this kingdom that I'm going to do, this invisible kingdom that people cannot see and will not see. Uh, and, and this is not talking about that millennial kingdom. He said is a kingdom that is going to grow up and it's going to become so enormous that all cannot come under its shadow. So any fowl can, yeah, any fowl. See, we're just fowls. That's all. You're just birds. That's all in this, in this illustration. That's all we are, okay? But any fowl can come and rest under the shade of and protect, be protected by this little mustard seed. You say, well, how does that picture the kingdom of God? Here's how it started. Jesus, born, lives life. The forerunner of Jesus Christ started to preach about the kingdom. Jesus came and preached the kingdom. As he preached the kingdom, 12 men, 11 men that actually end up being faithful followers of his 11 men make up this inner circle 
And we would we could maybe argue 120, if you would, totally, because 120 were involved in praying in the upper room in the book of Acts. So a group of some 120 people started with one, this mustard seed, grew to 120. And from there, it spread throughout the world. So that Jew and Gentile alike, no matter who they are, no matter what your nationality is, no matter what your upbringing is, could all be shadow of this wonderful, beautiful kingdom that God is preparing. The scope of it is beautiful. That's what he pictures for us in this passage. And he says this. He says, look, kingdom that I'm doing in the hearts of, of men in this kingdom that I'm beginning and I am uh, all established by me is something that is going to spread throughout this entire world. And it did. And thank God it did. Because you are here today and, and if you have been saved are part of the kingdom of God because Jesus Christ started a, a wonderful plan and a work that he designed, a kingdom, a church that he was going to establish. And he did. And that is what his kingdom preaching is all about. It started small. It became a shelter for all. The church, God's kingdom, may have started small with Jesus, but it has indeed spread throughout the world. And there is, right, there's no limit to the number of people who can be saved. You say, well, pastor, that's really impressive. Why is that important? Let me tell you why it's important. Because these men, these Jews didn't understand it, nor did anyone else understand it. He calls it in a number of places a mystery. People never understood. Even Old Testament saints, many of them never understood that, there, that Jesus Christ was going to come. They understood there was going to be a Messiah. They understood that Christ would come. They understood that he would be the Savior of the world. Yes, they understood that, but they didn't understand this they didn't understand that God would have a kingdom that no one could see, an invisible kingdom that would take place in the hearts of men through faith in Jesus Christ and that Jew and Gentile and anyone else could become part of this kingdom. So it is important to understand that that's what Jesus Christ did and most people still don't understand it today. But it's also important to understand because according to the first part of this that Jesus Christ shared, you and I are involved in this. Someone said this, Christianity would die in generation if no one sows. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily true, and it, it won't ultimately happen, but they make a point that is important for us to understand. If no one sows, how can seed grow? So here's the point for you and I today from this passage. If you don't get out, if you want a good point for you, if you don't get out and tell people about Jesus Christ, how can the kingdom grow? How can any other birds be brought under its shelter? It's plenty big enough. There's no limit to how many can be saved. But they will only be saved if a man sows or a woman. Someone takes the time to tell others because that was God's design. That was God's plan from the very beginning. This kingdom is not spread. It is not spread only by God. Otherwise, there would be angels all about 
telling people, or there would be some way that God would speak with people. But you know how God speaks to people today? Through people. You know how God's word gets into the heart? Because some man goes with the gospel. So let me share with you just a couple of responses. First, you all rejoice in, in the fact that God has designed this wonderful kingdom, an amazing kingdom that you can be part of. Now, if you're not part of it yet, you ought to seek it. But the most important thing in the message of the first part would be we need to share it. I don't have to understand how it all happens. I don't have to understand how God can work in the hearts of men. And I'm not the one who decides who God will work in the hearts of men. I'm just one who's supposed to sow the seed and allow God to take that which is sown and work in the hearts of men. And I ought to be involved in sharing it. It only happens when those who are part of the family of God sow the seed. The Bible says this in Romans 10, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know that verse? Do you know what follows it? I think you do. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? If there is no one following verse 26, there is no verse 29. And God is limited by people who sow. And it goes on. He says, shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. By the way, we have been called to preach. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Then he says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? And that's true in the Old Testament and the prophets would preach and the people wouldn't hear. That is up to them. But the prophets had the responsibility to preach. And so it is today. And, and so it is in Romans chapter 10 where he said this, so then faith, that's verse 17, comes right after it. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. My friends, this passage in this story that Jesus was talking about was talking about you who are part of the family of God, that you have a job to do that you have seed that needs to be sown, this, the word of God, and that God can do a work, but you have to be willing to do that part. And if you will do your part, if you will be that man or the men or whatever that sow the seed of the word of God, then God will do his part. He's promised that, and there will be a harvest because the word of God doesn't come back void. A preacher said this. Maybe you've heard the old story about Jesus appearing in heaven after his resurrection. He's giving a progress report on all that happened while he was on earth. And Moses is there. And in the scene, he says, Jesus, did you leave things in capable hands? And Jesus says, I did. I left behind Mary and Martha and Peter and James and John and the other disciples. And Moses said, well, what if they fail? And Jesus said, well, I've established the church to fill it with the Holy Spirit and they will carry on. And Moses said, what if they fail? And Jesus replied, I have no other plan. The church, as we just said a while ago, is one generation from extinction if we don't spread the gospel. My friends, this message Jesus taught was important because it helped them to understand there's a kingdom that is invisible that Jesus Christ was doing and that he came for that very purpose. It's important 
Because Jesus in these verses also tells us that we're a vital part in it. And it's important because then from this passage, we have a job to do today. We can rejoice in what God's done. We can marvel in his wonderful work at bringing salvation to us. But to just keep it to ourselves is a sad thing. Because it is a message that all can be brought under the shadow of this tree that Jesus Christ started by his coming. His incarnation brought this all about. Christmas Christmas is all about a kingdom that Jesus Christ established. And he's still working at building. And you're part of it. By the way, someone also brought out this point. It's about community. See, um, all those who are part of it should be, as a community, working together. As, as you say, birds under the shelter of the tree. It's, it's one tree. We ought to be working with God's people and be part of this community. Sharing the good news. Encouraging those who are under the shelter already and part of the kingdom because that's the picture that Jesus Christ gave of this amazing work that he did and that he came for. It's important. It's an important message. And yes, we almost skipped it. But thankfully, I had the opportunity to go back and ponder some more on it and study out the kingdom. And it's a very, very interesting study, intriguing something I'd encourage you to do but don't miss the message today that you need to have because here, here's the truth there's a, there's a lot of Christians who haven't been sowing and aren't sowing and that has an impact on this kingdom Jesus is trying to build this Christmas many of you will have opportunities if you'll take advantage of it to sow in this kingdom for this kingdom Will you? Will you? The spire has a close rise. Um, I hope you've been challenged as I have, as I've thought about the kingdom. Uh, not a lot, of, not a lot is preached about it as uh, today, um, but it needs to be. It needs to be understood. This is what Jesus was all about. That's what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus wants to see grow and spread. And if you're saved, you're part of that. If you're not, you need to be saved. But if you're saved, would you say this? Look, God's spoken to me today about his kingdom and the part that I have. And there's something I know I need to do a better job of. And pastor, I just want you to know that. And I'm going to be asking God to help me to be, do my part in sowing the seed as God's worked in my heart about that. How many would say that by raised hand? Would you? Great. Excellent. Good. I'm glad God did. Now, let's do what we can and have, have a part in spreading the wonderful news. There is a kingdom. Jesus Christ is established, and it comes by faith in him. And they, all men can be part of it just like you are. Father, you saw the hands, and I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful that you did establish a kingdom and that I'm part of it. What a privilege that that is. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, that I and that your people, those who you've worked in their hearts in and, and those maybe 
who would say, I, I am already doing that, that we would just continue with that work and do everything we can and then trust the sown seed to do its work like you promised. And, um, and may we see great things happen here because we're doing what you've told us to do and we're fulfilling this great work that you came to establish and you did. And we'll thank you for what you'll do in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you would, stand to your feet. And maybe there's some things you just need to talk to the Lord about. And maybe you need to commit to him. And that would, it would be a good thing for you to take the time during this invitation. As she begins to play right now, to just get on your knees maybe or sit down right where you're at and talk to the Lord about it. Say, Lord, there is a kingdom. I've got a job to do. Here's what you worked in my heart about. And this is what I want to do for your glory. Why don't you take time and do business with God right now? play one more verse. Rescue the perishing. That's our Father, thank you. Thank you so very much for coming and for establishing the beginning in your life, your burial, your, your death, your burial, resurrection, and that today you're still working in the hearts of men to bring them to yourself. Help us to be involved in doing what we can. And Lord God, may you use the word that's sown even this Christmas season in the hearts of people and bring people to yourself and increase your kingdom. And we pray for this to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you serve in his kingdom. You're dismissed.